The Orange FM. episode of Bad Wolf Radio, a discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who is mostly mad and never right, Adam Farmer. I like that one. I like that one. I am not an angry person, but I will be called mad. We'll, we'll, t- we'll switch the definition around a little bit more. <laughs> so, and we have Adam as usual, but that's kind of boring. Yeah, Today, yeah we I'm, also I'm have. news now. <laughs> we also have another guest. Kind of a surprise guest. This wasn't really planned, but we're happy to have her on. Uh, my co-host on another podcast I do called Star Wars Bookworms. She's also the host of the very popular podcast uh, Disney Vault Talk and Fangirls Going Rogue, Teresa Delgado. Hey, I'm crashing the boys party. Crashing the boys party. Adam, doesn't it seem like this is our third guest, right? Yeah, it is and our third this guest. seems to be kind of a trend so far. We've only had women. There is a trend going on. So I don't know if we're like, kind of like the doctor, just flying around the galaxy, picking up random women. Um, No, sorry. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> You're not, <laughs> not our happening. companion? No. I'm just here crashing your party for a little while. No, no, I gotta pass. All right, pass. I mean, one, one time host. So wait, You're, cool, would... you're a cool dude, but I don't know. What would that equivalent you to in the Doctor Who universe? Like uh, Donna. You're basically Donna because you're going to ah. come back. <laughs> well, this you know the what? This is first episode. There'll be another. You know, the thing about that is that I have no idea who that is. Ah. And there goes my Doctor Who cred. No, right. that's okay. Why am I on the show? <laughs> no, one of the beauties of this show is that we're all learning who as we go. And some of us have watched more than others. But... Teresa, we know that you, although you haven't seen all of the stuff, you have watched, you've watched a quite a bit of the new stuff. You've watched all of Eccleston, right? Mm-hmm. And you've watched at least one season of, of Tenant. About, yeah, and uh, the most of the second season of Tenant. I think okay. I'm at least halfway through that. And you saw the teary, you know, separation in Bad Wolf Bay and all that stuff. Right, and I okay. saw, I saw all like the big like 50th whatever specials blah 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 i saw oh, all that did. stuff yeah <laughs> i don't know what it's called i'm sorry like my, <laughs> my cred is in star wars and you know disney and my little pony well you're building so, you're building your doctor who cred so yeah you're more building than welcome more than welcome and you've watched the first two episodes of, of series eight right right okay so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, Series 8, so you're more than qualified to talk about Doctor Who with us. But Definitely. before we get into the actual episode review and all that, let's talk about a couple of the news items that have come out lately. Um, yeah, news. It's been somewhat of a light week, considering that we're... I mean, there's a shorter period of time before between episodes, so a lot of the news that's coming out has 
primarily to do with the episodes themselves. So we had a lot of Robin Hood um, spoilers. If you aren't aware of what the next episode is, episode is going to be this coming weekend, we are going to be introduced to Robin Hood in the Robots of Sherwood. So we had a lot of stuff coming out about that episode. Um, but just kind of taking a step back from the episode before we get there, one thing that I saw of note that it was pretty interesting was Capaldi wins the TV personality of the year. Um, sounds like a pretty big thing until you look at it and find out that it was just GQ mentioning him as being the TV personality of the year. But that, that struck me as interesting after two episodes of Doctor Who, um, and also all, already, um, his name is is a pretty big name, um, all things considered. I think you're forgetting his amazing stint on Three Musketeers. His amazing stint on Three Musketeers, yes. And then I know that he has other cred to his name. But no one really heard his name until Doctor Who. True. I, I definitely I agree with you on this one. This one, I I don't understand it. But it's just a magazine thing, so no big deal. It, it's cool that Doctor Who's getting... You know that kind of attention. You know he's right on the cover of GQ, so so that's always a good thing. But pers- TV personality of the year might be a little bit of a stretch. A little bit of a stretch, just maybe a little bit premature. I mean, we we are almost to the end of the year, believe it or not. Um, just a little bit over halfway, I guess. But yeah, so that was an interesting piece of news. And then kind of a big thing that hit right before last episode that that somehow we missed at some point is Danny Pink, um, who is uh, introduced in Into the Dalek, the episode we're going to be talking about, has been officially named as a actual companion. So before he was just a recurring character, um, but now he is officially on board as a companion, which brings the Doctor's companion total to two. Which is totally fine with me because he's adorable. (laughs) So and I dreamy. don't and I don't mind at all. <laughs> I was going to bring that up in the the actual episode review of how dreamy he was, but unfortunately Teresa beat me to it. Oh, sorry. But I know I know you always you have man crushes, but I'm going to take this one from you cuz he's he's so funny. It's it's oh, weird I that I like mo- him a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty cool. I definitely I I like the character. Um it's cool that he's going to be an official companion, which means he's going to get on the TARDIS at some point. Um, it looks like there's some kind of love thing between him and Clara, which we can talk about in the episode review as well. But yeah, this is good news, I think. He looks like a good a good character in the show. Seems like a pretty good actor. So can, thumb, thumbs up. Can I ask a Doctor Who noob question? Yes. How many times does the Doctor have a guy companion as opposed to a girl? Well... A lot. Question. There's there's been a lot. <laughs> there's actually been a lot of male companions. Typically, the main, like, air quotes, main companion is a female. Um, and then there's some like so like with Amy, she had Rory. With uh, Rose, she had Mickey. You know, but I didn't count Mickey as a companion though. Yeah, but technically he counts, and he's probably going to be kind of like how how Danny's going to be as well. Um, so, but there have been instances where kind of more the main characters in the classic series. Uh, the main companions were were males uh, back then. Like the first Doctor, there were three companions with him, and you know, arguably the main character of the show was named Ian Chesterton, who was obviously a male. So this wouldn't be a first, um, by any means. 
Well, I hope he is more of a companion than Mickey because if Mickey counts as a companion, then that's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's like, I don't know, there's kind of like an unspoken like le- levels of companion. So you have like kind of the main companion and then like some secondary companions and then ones that just pop in and out kind of like um, River Song, you know, so I'm guessing. No, he's I don't be... know, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get there. Spoilers. But, um, yeah, so I think Danny's going to be kind of the secondary level, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe maybe Clara leaves at the Christmas special like all the rumors are saying, and then Danny becomes the main companion. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. There's So there another piece of news that hit is there – someone did some great cell phone reporting again at the scene where they're filming uh, future episodes. Um, actually, like the last – episode of this series and there's a few things that come up about that and a few things that may or may not have been overheard during filming um so do we need to give a big spoiler alert here are you are you going to actually tell us or i am not going to say anything okay Um, i have it i have it as something that i want to talk about but i have a feeling that where we are within the season i don't know if it's even worth bringing up right now if you want if you want to find out it's out there. You can look it up, and it's going to jump right out at you. Um, the website uh, that that it, it's just DoctorWhoTV.co.uk. Um, they they handle their spoilers very well. Where they'll give you an uh, a opening paragraph, and then they'll have the whole TARDIS journal and image, and allow you to decide whether or not you want to go forward with it. Um, I always go forward with it, but if you want to know what, what I'm talking about, go ahead, jump there. But there are some things that have come out about the last few episodes that some people are starting to speculate what it holds in store for Danny. Mm. I vote you just tell me and Aaron can cut it out. Cause I don't want to go have to look it up and it's not no. going to jump out at me. No. So let's talk about Robin hood. Yeah. Well, Next episode coming up is all about, or it seems like it's all about Robin hood. Uh, we have a trailer that's come out. There was a scene at the end of the last episode. They gave us a quick preview of it. Um, there's There's been a scene cut out of it. There's images out there. So there's all this information about the next episode. Um, so, Adam, what's, yes. this, what's, the, uh, what's this whole cut scene about? Yeah. Um, so with recent events in the news um, involving uh, – events overseas and journalists and and some pretty tragic events um there was a scene recorded filmed for this next episode of doctor who that involved a beheading i mean medieval times robin hood sherwood forest um punishment of sorts that they have gone ahead and just completely cut out um an entire scene from the episode which I feel it's in pretty good taste just considering everything that's that's going on. Um, but it would have been interesting just to see how it played into the episode. I have a feeling it doesn't have any impact whatsoever on just the overall story. Um, although I do have some interesting thoughts or I don't have interesting thoughts. I have some thoughts on just kind of some interesting twists that we've been seeing with the whole Missy story arc um, towards the end of the episodes. I'm wondering if that comes into play. But we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, there was a, an entire scene cut out of this coming episode um, just in good taste for what's been going on. Probably a good call. Yeah, I would say so. Um, 
And I'm wondering. I, I'm wondering if we're going to see a noticeable difference in length. I I don't think so, but it's going to be interesting just to compare the lengths of the the previous episodes with this episode. Well, and I wonder if a show that's made, you know, overseas does things differently than shows that are made here in the States. Because, I mean, it's possible that if the show was made here that they would cut stuff out like that. But then again, maybe not. But seeing as how it's a show that's obviously English, um, I don't know. It's just a wondering. Yeah, and I think they're... They're probably just trying to be, you know, sensitive to the audiences and the news that's going on right now. And it might not even be that big of a scene. You know, it could literally be like two seconds, you know, something that happens in the background. It might not even really play into the the episode. You know, it, we might not even miss it. Remember, Teresa, when the Clone Wars had that cut scene where Asajj Ventress killed the clone and then like kissed him as he was dying? Oh, yeah. And it was that's like awesome. really cool. But they cut it out, you know, because they... Because it's a kids' show, and they were worried about you know the parents not liking that. But if you had never known they cut cut that out, you would have never even known it was missing. I mean, these these people are professionals; they know how to edit. You know, if it hadn't if it hadn't have hit the news, we probably would have never even noticed. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I I mean, like you said, they're professionals. Will probably won't notice. Um, <laughs> the one the one side is that, according to all the reports, it's a decapitation that takes place in the climactic fight scene between Robin Hood and the sheriff. Um, so towards the end, kind of the the big moment between everybody. But like you said, it could be something that just happened in the background. Um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting just to see if it is noticeable. I, I highly doubt it won't be. Um, but yeah, I, I say good good work by them by keeping that in mind. So did you guys watch the trailer for the, the Robin Hood episode? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, other than the one that was at the end of the show? Okay. So that's pretty... No. I think it's like a short... I think that's basically the the same trailer, but cut a little shorter. So you've, you've seen most of it, I think. Um, what are your feelings on the episode itself? Like, Do you think it looks like what you were expecting it was going to be about when you heard there was going to be a Robin Hood episode? Um, oh. <laughs> see, Robin Hood to me is like when you say Robin Hood, I think of Disney Robin Hood. So, so you're like, why isn't he a fox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why isn't he a fox? And where's little John as a bear or blue? <laughs> um, but because I never liked some of the live action Robin Hoods, and I didn't want to see the one that had um, what's his name in it. Russell Crowe and stuff. I just never liked the live action Robin Hood stuff. So I was kind of like, oh, Robin Hood, okay, we'll see. So I'm interested to see it because I don't know what they're going to do with it because I like animated Robin Hood. Yeah, I I mean, we had a lot of discussion about this. This was like the the biggest piece of news that came up um, during the off season that we, we spent quite a, I, th- I think we even spent multiple episodes talking about Robin Hood. Is Robin Hood real? How can they see Robin Hood if he's not really a real character? Um, there's, there's a, a little person that is pretty prominent within some of the pictures. And is that little John, are they going to go there? Um, and then my whole theory that there's going to be Daleks and robots of Sherwood, which I've already said, that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm wrong on that point. Um, I don't know if it's going to live. Let me say this. I didn't have very high expectations 
for this episode in the first place. Um, it was always one of those quirky episodes that we get every few episodes within Doctor Who. Um, so I don't know if I had high expectations and it might meet my relatively low expectations for this episode. I'm hoping to be blown away because everybody has been talking about how incredible Tom Riley um, is as an actor and that this is going to be a high point for Doctor Who, such a great uh, actor playing such a great character. Um, some of the images I've seen, though, they haven't really raised my expectations all that much. Yeah, I'm really interested to see where they take it. Um, I was, you know, thinking, what? The Doctor can't visit a fictional character. But right in the trailer, even the Doctor says, you know, there's no such thing or there's no such person as Robin Hood or however he said it. So even the Doctor seems to be kind of confused as to what's going on. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how they play that. Are they on some kind of, like, alternate universe maybe where he does exist? Is it some kind of deck type situation where it's all fake? You know, they're... There's all kinds of possibilities. So I think it could be interesting. Um, it looks a little cheesy, but maybe it's like purposefully cheesy. You know, they have the scene in there where he shoots the arrow and then like looks over and winks at the camera, you know, and that whole thing. So I'm actually excited for it. I have always liked the character of Robin Hood, like Teresa. I instantly associate it with the Disney movie. I think that's my favorite version of Robin Hood. But I did enjoy, you know, Men in Tights was funny. Um, the old Errol Flynn stuff. Um even Kevin Costner's version was actually pretty cool because I was the right age when that stuff came out. Have so, you seen BBC's version of Robin Hood yet? I I have not. I, I saw enough of like the tra- – I think I did try to watch like the first 10 minutes of it and it just seemed so low budget that I just <laughs> couldn't do it anymore and turned it off. But um, I like the character of Robin Hood, so I'm very curious to see where Moffat and company are taking him. Well, and, that, and I think those are the – there's some major high points for this episode. Number one, we have Tom Riley, who's supposed to be incredible. Number two, we're all falling head over heels for Peter Capaldi's doctor and the way that he approaches the doctor. And number three, it's written by Mark Gatiss. So it's, it has so much going for it. Um, I'm hoping I'm blown away, but I'm expecting just to have that, that typical lull that we get sometimes between episodes. All right, well, is there anything else newsworthy that we can talk about before we jump into the Into the Dalek review? Oh, nothing that has been verified. I saw some sneaky little tweet come out on Twitter about an hour before we jumped on that Eccleston is coming back to Doctor Who either 2015 or 2016. Yay! Please be true. Please be true. (laughs) I have no idea what cred can be put into the tweet that's come out. Um, the the individual that tweeted is prolific when it comes to tweeting about Doctor Who, both classic and new Who. Um, and someone challenged him on his tweet, and he said, I talked to the son about it, and it will be up tomorrow. Um, once again, no idea, but it definitely got my my Whovian fan blood flowing at the potential of seeing Eccleston back um, within the doctor. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Is the sun like over in, over in England, uh, don't they have kind of like a tabloid newspaper? Is that called the mirror? Like, oh, what, is the sun actually a legitimate like news outlet over there? Oh no. Say it ain't true. What? 
Is the sun really a tabloid? I don't know. I um, I know that the sun. Theresa I'm looking it up right now. The sun is totally a tabloid. Is it? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. The sun.co.uk, and like when you're looking at it, it's completely a tabloid. It's gotta be. Okay. Oh, no. So considering everything on the front is nothing but like you know celebrity shots and their worst possible. So possible let's way. just assume that this rumor is completely untrue. It's not true. We know that. But would you like to see Eccleston return to Doctor Who in some form, as unlikely as it is, Teresa? Can I say hell yes on the show? Yes. <laughs> Then hell yes, Adam. <laughs> I would take him. I you take I, him back, even though he slighted us for the 50th oh. anniversary. He could have he could have made that complete. Oh, for sure. You don't you, hold any grudges. No, not at all. He would be the prodigal son returning to Doctor Who, and I would run to him with open arms. I agree. I would welcome him with open arms as well. Come on back, Chris. Come on back. <laughs> on that on that <laughs> topic. Aaron, have you told Adam about the awesome Christopher Eggleston cosplay that no, was I at Dragon Con? I will tell him right now. So, Adam. Yes. You're sitting in the what they call the Star Wars track room at Dragon Con. Um, for those of you that don't, that don't know, Dragon Con is this big convention that goes on down in Atlanta every year. Um, very popular. Uh, tons of people there. But one of the big reasons people go there is to costume. So, we're sitting in the Star Wars track room. And lo and behold... The ninth doctor comes rolling in into the track room, completely lost, and he has his TARDIS with him, of course, and, <laughs> and he's rolling it. The TARDIS is made out of cardboard, pretty well done, actually, but it's made out of cardboard, and he's rolling it on a, a sheet of plywood that has wheels screwed into it so it can roll, and the plywood is not very sturdy, so the TARDIS is literally falling apart, <laughs> and this guy, but the costume was spot on, and... The guy actually looked like a very, he looked like a very young Christopher Eccleston, but he looked like him, didn't he, Teresa? Yeah, he did. He looked exactly like him. It was uncanny, and he had the outfit just right, the haircut just right. But he was crazy. I think the guy was literally crazy. He was either <laughs> he was either really good at staying in character, or he was literally a madman with a box. And we need to apologize to him right now as he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> If he's we listening to this you podcast, were really cool. Like, please I actually, contact us. I actually tried to chase him down and take a picture of him, but he rolled away too fast. And he never broke character. Never. Ever. Once. Ever. People came up to him and were talking to him, trying to get him to break character. He never once broke character. Very impressive. Um, so bravo, Mr. Eccleston or whoever you were. If there was a Doctor Who theme park, he could be the yeah. ninth Doctor yes. as a character you could meet. Definitely. That's awesome. I wish th- I'm I'm looking right now for images of Dragon Con Christopher Eccleston cosplay and yeah, I'm finding none. We'll have to see if we can find a picture. Um, we should have taken a picture of him. What were we thinking? We were right there. I tried. I tried to go and take a picture of him. I told you he ran away too fast. He even had um, he even had the uh, what is it? The psychic paper and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like he was handed. He had it to- everything. Yeah. And he was talking to people, you know, all confused and using his sonic screwdriver trying to fix his TARDIS. And it was, it was intense. So now that we got the Christopher Eccleston rumor out of the way, let's talk about the episode. Yes, let's. Into the Dalek um, episode. What were we going to do here? 
Series 8, Episode 2. Why are you <laughs> saying series? Isn't it season? Oh, you missed the discussion pre-show. Uh, she did miss the discussion pre-show. Yeah, so apparently in England they call it series. In America we tend to call things seasons. And so it's kind of a, a debate on what's the right way to refer to Doctor Who. Um, I, tend I to vote say, we're in America, so... Yeah, but you know, there's Doctor Who snobs out there and they, you know, they want us to do it the right way, the British way. And some but, people love listening to a bunch of Yankees talk about Doctor Who and refer to it properly. Hey, y'all, I watch Series 8. <laughs> hey. That's how you guys talk in Texas, right? First of all, I don't ever say anything like that. I may say y'all, but you don't hear me going, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Unless you're doing your Applejack impression. Aha, uh-huh, I, <laughs> I got the pony reference in before Sugar you cube. did. Sugar cube. So... Okay, so enough of that. Um, back to the episode. So series eight, episode two. Who's the writer, Adam? Do you remember? Um, Phil Ford and Stephen Moffat. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Stephen I watched the uh, I watched the making of this episode, and it was Phil Ford, and he was very excited to be able to write an episode about a Dalek. So the episode starts off. We get this big space battle, which I actually really liked. I thought it was really cool. Um, we haven't seen a space battle like this in Doctor Who probably since uh, Good Man Goes to War. That would probably be the closest, not counting, just like the random scenes that we saw in the 50th episode. Yeah, so I thought it was well done considering it's a TV show. I mean, it was no Star Wars, but... Through the asteroid field. Yeah. Yeah, I did notice that. I was expecting like a space slug to come out and like... The space slug, cameo, the space slug cameo. Yeah, I'm being cool. So, did you were you guys as, as impressed with that as I was? It doesn't sound like you were. I, you know, I've never been a huge space battle person. Um, the only time I've really liked space battle was at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, really. So, eh, eh. I wasn't. Eh. I wasn't so much sold on the space battle as much as I was that. Oh my goodness! There's a Daleks spaceship like like i knew that we were going to get to see the daleks i just didn't know that we were going to be able to see like a dalek armada (laughs) i i wasn't expecting to see that big of a ship show up um so early and especially so early out of the season but i i guess it was cool that it was chasing a smaller ship through an asteroid field and shooting it up that was cool so you just brought up the daleks and that begs the question because i was thinking about this it's capaldi's second episode is this too fast to bring in the the big villain of Doctor Who? Should we have had to wait a little bit longer to get the Daleks? Should we like just be done with the Daleks and move on? <laughs> just saying. Spoken Sorry. like a true new Hindu <laughs> fan. <laughs> They're annoying. Okay, like I am so over it. I'm so done, and I'm sorry, Adam, because it seems like you really like them, but like. You know, it seems like everything with Doctor Who is all about Daleks and like everything in the Her Universe line, there's Daleks everywhere. And I'm just like, okay, they're not that awesome. They're kind of annoying. They keep coming back and they're supposed to be dead. And I'm just over it. Like, I would rather have more dinosaurs than Daleks. What? Yes. I love the dinosaur, by the way, from the first episode. So just I loved it too until they lit it on fire. (laughs) And you're and right. It, was, it wasn't a T Rex. I think it was a like the new like the Carnosaur, the whatever it is that's in Third Jurassic Park. Oh, 
Just saying. But anyway, back to Daleks. No, I just, um, they started, they kind of have gotten on my nerves. Although I will say through the episode, like, I kind of liked the little good Dalek for a little while. And then I didn't like him anymore. Mm. I'm cool it was a roller coaster it. effect. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were quite a few of those roller coaster moments in this episode. <laughs> The, do- the the doctor even felt it himself. I know. Um, yeah, I, I was cool with seeing um, the dog so early. I, I definitely feel like we're getting more of a classic doctor vibe um, within the couple first couple episodes. Kind of the tone compared to what we've been used to with Smith. I actually enjoyed seeing Capaldi's doctor in the roller coaster that he went on with the Dalek. Um from the from the excitement of hey this could possibly be uh and spoilers to a little bit further on in the episode a good dalek um to then recognizing no the daleks the daleks are always what they have been and that's kind of what they're going to stay and then to where we found ourselves at the end but yeah i I thought it was kind of cool to see him show up already um i'm definitely interested to see how much more we see them moving forward but what were your thoughts? I know that you're the one that asked the question, but what were your thoughts on seeing him so soon? Uh, I thought it was a little early, but the episode as a whole, I, I did enjoy, and they didn't overuse the Daleks. And it was a different twist, you know, on the way they've used a Dalek before. So I was okay with it. I'm not a huge fan of the Daleks either, Teresa. I kind of agree with you on that. But I think because of, you know, who they are and the, the place they hold in Doctor Who lore... I accept the fact that they keep coming back to these characters, but yeah, they they tend to be a bit annoying to me. But um, kind of compare him to like the Shredder with Ninja Turtles, like he just doesn't die and go away ever. And they have annoying voice like Krang. Yeah, like Krang. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved the the intro of the episode. I loved the space battle. I loved the part where you know he. Teleport, or he he like materializes the TARDIS around her to save her life, which kind of doesn't really make sense how he had that much control, but whatever. Um, but I liked his attitude at the beginning. Everything that I'm liking about this Doctor, he's continuing to do. I like how rude he is, and I like how he's constantly correcting humans and kind of making them feel stupid. Um, he is like the smartest man in the room, and he knows it. And I like that he shed all of that you know, nice guy persona off of him from Matt Smith. And he is just basically like the raw version of the doctor. It seems like I kind of like that too. I like how snarky he is. And it's just kind of that scene where he's trying to make her say it the right way. And he's holding like coffee, you know, and he's just looking at her like, you know, use your words, <laughs> use your words. <laughs> he he definitely feels like he's, he's been through a lot. And what he's been through has definitely stripped away all that extra stuff that he had there. And now he's just a no-nonsense, it is what it is, I am who I am type of doctor. I really like it. I agree. The whole line about uh, you'd starve to death trying to find the light switch, <laughs> I loved that part. That was that was awesome. I mean, he had, how many, was it 300 years that he had on that planet with that small little town? Yep. I mean, he had all that time to become this good person, and all it took was one regeneration, and now he's a jerk again. It's like, he didn't <laughs> well, learn anything in that 300 years. What was the point? Following your logic, spending 300 years wasting his time probably made him angry. Probably. He realized he was wrong. 
He's like, what, what was it worth? Trenzalore is still just a garbage dump. <laughs> but, okay, so moving on. We get Danny Pink, finally. We've heard yes. all about him. We knew this guy was coming. Um, and now we finally get to see him. And we kind of talked about him a little bit uh, earlier. And Teresa has a crush on him. And apparently I do, too. But... What do you guys think, you know, happy that this is a new character in the show? Does his personality fit, you know, what you thought it was going to be? Um, I don't know what I thought because I had no idea. So I'm just going off of the episode. Um, I think that it was just kind of an, a very interesting introduction to a character where he's sort of treating the kids sort of like they're soldiers. And the one kid says, you know, because he says, like, who do you think you are, kids? And he's like, yes, you know, and I can relate to that from being a teacher, asking a very basically obvious question and getting a sarcastic, very obvious answer back. And it just made me laugh. And then they transfer into the classroom and uh, he, um, you know, he's asked some really tough questions and kids do that. You know, they'll ask you some of the really hard questions and you don't know how to answer them because you're told you're not supposed to be honest about things that you do in your life. You know, you're not supposed to share certain things with your kids, but at the same time you want to. So it becomes a very fine line. So I can really relate to him there. And with having the one tear that he had um, kind of rolling down his cheek, because it makes it really difficult to know what to do. But then the scene with him and like the receptionist at the school was just so awkward. She just kept saying, yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, I bet you were. And I just wanted to be like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Leave the poor man alone. <laughs> he was looking at her like she was a crazy person, and she was. I mean, if I had been in there too, I would have been, I would have thrown something at her and been like, stop it, you're embarrassing yourself. So did he, what about you, Adam? Were you a fan of Danny Pink? I am. I, I'm excited to see what he's going to become. Um, kind of like, kind of the same situations that Teresa mentioned with him out on the, the playground, drilling the, drilling the cadets, um, getting that kind of hard nosed look at who he is, but then seeing the conflict when, when the student asks him, um, did you kill anybody? And that's a question that I'm sure he's been asked a lot of times. And so he's like, just think of a better question. And so the kid asks, did you kill anybody who wasn't a soldier? And then seeing kind of that emotion at that point um i'm excited to see what his backstory is throughout the episode they gave a lot of um a, a pretty big window into who he is as a character and i'm waiting to see that expanded i'm excited i leading up to this we were asking is he going to be another rory is he going to be another mickey i don't think he's going to be either um i think he's going to be he might stray more towards the Mickey side of things, but I don't think when Danny Pink's story is said and done, we're going to be like, okay, he falls within this mold. Um, I, I, I'm really excited to see what happens with him. I think he's going to be more Rory than Mickey. Um, Mickey tended to tended to be a bit overconfident. Like he was more confident than he should have been. He thought he was cooler than he really was. Uh, Rory was always very you know, shy and awkward and knew that he had a lot of flaws and was very self-aware of that. It feels like Danny Pink might be kind of more toward the Rory side as far as he doesn't seem to be very confident in himself, especially with the interactions he's had with Clara. You know, he obviously... No, you can't say that. You can't say that he's not confident. He's, like, it's a pretty girl. No, I'm I'm just saying that he he is not 
as confident as you may think he would be considering that he's such a good looking guy. You know, the receptionist obviously thought that he was attractive. Um, you know, the other guy called him a lady killer. You know, so you kind of have this look when you first see him. You think, oh, this guy's going to be super confident and he's going to be, you know, this guy that just, you know, takes over the screen. And he's not. He's he's a, a much more reserved type character um, who isn't extremely confident when it comes to talking to a girl. Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm not I, knocking him. I mean, it happens. It happens see, to guys. What but. I'm what I'm wondering though is they gave us that picture in his interactions with with everybody and basically everybody thinks that in certain situations he's supposed to be this type of person, but yet what I'm wondering what they're going to draw out later on what I'm wondering if they're going to draw out later on is he knows how to get down to business. I mean he he was a soldier at one point in time and they they made a pretty big deal about the fact that he was a soldier. Um now he was not a soldier anymore for a pretty big reason from what they made it sound like. But I have a feeling that although he might not have like this uber strong confidence in a relationship area, I think once we see the rubber meet the road in some later episodes and we might see him in action, I think we might see a completely different type of confidence come out at that point. I think he is a man of action. He's just not a man of relationships. Yeah, and like I have something to say to that, but it kind of is sort of spoiler-y for the end of the episode. So I don't know if I should say it here or not. But Oh, go ahead. Okay, well, you know, the girl on the ship or whatever wants to go with the doctor at the very end, and he says that like he doesn't need a soldier, you know? But we know that Danny Pink was a soldier, but he's not anymore. So he has that human element to him that we get to see with his interactions with Clara and the students and the people in the school. And so I think that might be alluding to something that while the doctor doesn't necessarily need a soldier as a companion, he needs somebody who can do both. And we may be able to have that in Danny Pink. That's just me pulling a bunch of stuff together. <laughs> No, definitely. I would I would agree that there's probably a lot going to be pulled out about that. Um, Danny Pink probably isn't a soldier anymore because he didn't want to follow orders. Um, whereas if you are a soldier, you follow orders. But there's also this interesting contrast between um, the doctor who used to be the war doctor, um, who used to be a soldier, no longer wanting a soldier. And maybe Danny has gone through the exact same things that the doctor has, where he just can't be that person anymore, although it's still a huge part of who you are. Right. And I think that just because he is kind of awkward with Clara, that doesn't mean anything. And if anything, that just makes him more endearing to the audience because we get to see that softer side, you know, of a guy that sometimes you don't ever get to see. And... That's cool. I like that. Which is a question I need to ask. And happy that you're with us for this question, Teresa. Okay. <laughs> so so leading up to this, Aaron has always been saying, we have an older doctor. We need to have a young male companion for viewership. Um, after watching Danny one episode, does Danny fall into the mo into the model of young male companion for the sake of viewership um i would honestly say no to that and while i do think he's dreamy while i do think he's adorable as a character i don't think he's gonna hold that same place because i think a lot of the female fans that like doctor who they like having the iconic doctor as the person that they're looking to that is their crush you know like with matt smith and david tennant 
So I don't think it's going to fill that void. I think it'll be something that'll be good kind of like on the side that people will enjoy. But I think there's still going to be that void of like, where's my hot doctor? You know, is Danny going to fill the role of more of the lost puppy? Probably, probably more, more something like that. Aaron, what are your thoughts? I got to know, does, does Danny fill that stereotype that we've kind of been talking about him filling? I think I'm going to stick to what I said. I think that's the reason or one of the reasons, probably not the main reason, but one of the reasons they did cast a young, good looking male companion is because we have an older doctor and they are trying to maintain that type of uh, feel to the TARDIS and have something in there that, you know, the female fans may, I sound so sexist right now. <laughs> um, I'm, I think it was a, a decision that was made with that in mind. But I also believe that he is going to be a great character and he's going to be so much more than just that stereotype. So, but sure, the girls are going to like him. I mean, Teresa, Teresa has already you know, said how dreamy he is. So he there, is. there is a reason why they, they cast young, good-looking men in these type of roles. The only way I can see that it, it fills that role is if Clara and him, and him end up being like an item, you know? Or if Clara were to actually end her companionship on the show and he stayed on the show, you know, and then he kind of has sort of like ins and outs, like love interests or whatever. Like I can see him becoming that, but like right now I don't think he is. Um, But I think people watching Doctor Who always want the female companion to have somebody, you know, Um, but I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see what they decide to do with it. But I have kind of like a very not pc question um so we know mickey was of color and i don't know who rory is was he or was he rory was white okay okay so they don't always bring in a male companion that's of color okay no just there is sure (laughs) there is a common trend in doctor who of uh interracial couples um with donna Donna had a uh, boyfriend who, or actually both of Donna's boyfriends were both of color. Uh, Rose's boyfriend was of color. Um, now Clara seems to be interested in him. So it, it does seem to be a theme. They like to keep things, um, you know, have a lot of representation of, you know, all races in Doctor Who, and they've always done really good about that. Um, but yeah, it does seem to be kind of a trend to have these interracial relationships. But yeah, and I don't think any, uh, yeah, so... Let's let's move on. We've been talking about Danny Pink forever. I was, I was going to say we we've covered the first like five minutes of the episode. Yeah, he was on the show for like three minutes, and we've spent about twenty talking about him. But um, I mean, he is going to be a big part of the show going forward, so it is fun to speculate. But um, I I thought it was funny the Doctor is basically continuing to do the same thing he's always done. He didn't do it as bad to Clara as he did to Amy, and leaving her there for however many years he left Amy sitting on that suitcase. But um. He he told her he was going to go get coffee, and he came back three weeks later with the coffee. So I always find that humorous when he when he does that to people, and then doesn't seem to care that he does it. Especially at the end of the episode when he drops her back off, and he purposely drops her off thirty seconds later than when he first pick her picked her up. So it's like okay, you have the ability to get pretty darn close to the exact time you want. Why in the world did you not just come back? <laughs> Why in the world did you wait three weeks to show back up? I just like the fact, doesn't she say, like, the quote, like, where the hell have you been? Yes. <laughs> as soon as she sees him. <laughs> That's awesome. And he says he got distracted. By what? There's always something. 
Love well, that. he basically he tells Clara he needs her, which I thought was nice. You know, he he could have gone on this whole Dalek mission by himself and everything, but he always has the need for companionship. He always needs his companions, and uh, and for good reason because Clara obviously when they were in the Dalek, you know, had some insight that really helped the Doctor, um, you know, kind of make the right decisions. So he he needs that human conscience sometimes. I think because uh, he doesn't seem to have a conscience right now. Yeah, which which brings us to the scene that we got teased in the trailer where he asks Clara if he's a good man, um, which I know when we watched the trailer, we talked about it. I was a little down on that because it looked like they were going to turn it into a comical scene. I really liked how they let it play out, though. It definitely didn't seem like it turned into a lighthearted, oh, well, OK, whatever. It It definitely seemed like it was a question that had some weight for the doctor. Well, I think it had some weight for Clara, too, because she didn't answer really at all or like right away. And I think part of that's because she's not really sure who he is anymore. So she doesn't know. Had Matt Smith asked her that, she probably would have said yes. But since it was not him, it's kind of harder for her to answer because she doesn't really know this guy now. So kind of the main idea of this episode to kind of jump forward is they there's this Dalek who... These people have found, um, I guess these people are at war with the Daleks. They found this one Dalek. There's something wrong with it. The Dalek seems to actually be good. And so they, and the, the Dalek is also sick. So they want the doctor thinking that he's just a regular doctor. They're going to shrink him down um, along with Clara, a couple soldiers, send him into the Dalek and see if he can figure out what's wrong with it and, uh, and save its life, I guess. Uh, so we get this traveling into the Dalek, which is where the title of the episode comes from, obviously. Um, it's not the first time we've seen the shrunk down people idea in Doctor Who before. Um, what do you think about this, Adam? Did you did you like this twist on the Dalek storyline? I, I didn't even bat an eye, to be quite honest. Uh, I kind of expected what was going to happen. So as soon as they kind of like went through the process of, okay, we're going to shrink you down, don't hold your breath, you'll be lasagna in the microwave and all that stuff. It was just like, okay, cool, we're going inside of a Dalek. Um, how they got inside though, uh, was definitely kind of trippy and I'm not, I'm still not sure how that works, but yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought that it was an interesting adventure. I was more interested in the characters at play though, as opposed to what they were actually doing. So when you were saying it was trippy, were you referring to them going through the eye stalk and like, it wasn't actually a solid piece of glass that i always imagined the the end of the eye was but it was some kind of weird film that they were able to walk through yeah it had a very charlie and the chocolate factory feel like you expected all of them to have like these weird visions and someone to be laughing maniacally as they're going through this weird liquid tunnel oozy and like yeah it was really really weird and then on top of it clara was wearing like a shirt that had eyes all over it so as you're going through like this blue, wibbly wobbly, like woo experience, all of a sudden you notice that she has eyes that are like transforming and stuff on her shirt too. Really weird. Transformers. Sorry. Did you Teresa, did you like the trippiness of it? Did it seem a little out of place? Of what? I got lost. Oh, the them walking through the the blue haze going into the the Daleks' eye oh. through the looking glass through the looking um, glass. Yeah, yeah, literally. it kind of reminded me of like a little bit Alice in Wonderland kind of thing, and um, sort of like going through blue Jello if you were to walk through it. If that makes any sense, but that's where my head went. 
It's like this must be what it's like if you're always walking through Jello. Hmm. Um, <laughs> That's like cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Didn't that happen in that movie? It did. I've it never seen it. It's not a Disney movie. Um, anyway, so I don't know. It didn't really trip me out at all. It was just kind of like, just made my head go in weird places. Yeah, it was like weird. Jello. It just seemed out of place to me. Uh, there was a couple spots. This specific spot. And then the part where the doctor basically mind melds with the Dalek. Those two, those two parts, and the what they chose, or how they chose to represent it, and how they made it so trippy, just seemed a little out of place. It was weird for me. Maybe they were taking a trip to the '60s. Yeah, maybe. Classic Doctor. <laughs> Bringing it all back. And we get the Doctor kind of, you know, they keep reminding us that he's kind of a jerk. Uh, we have a scene where one of the soldiers, you know, makes a mistake. The antibodies of the Dalek come, and they're about to possibly kill this soldier named Ross. And the doctor says, take this or whatever, throws him <laughs> something to ingest, right? He ate it, yes, right? Yes. And, and then because he ate it, they killed him. The doctor basically facilitated someone's death. You know, he explains that the reason he did it was to save everyone else. But he told the guy to trust him. Uh, the guy was dead, dead already. He was dead already, but still, trust me. <laughs> Can I just say how cool it is that the Dalek has antibodies? And this is coming from a medical perspective. Like, as soon as they said, oh, you know, don't do that. You're hurting it. I was like, yes, we get to see, like, medical Dalek stuff. And the antibodies were, like, little tiny robots. And I just thought that was so awesome. But on topic of him killing Ross, I was – I thought that was kind of funny. It was kind of funny that I did – I mean, I like the mean doctor. Don't get me wrong. I like mean doctor. I hope he sticks around for a while. But this was, when he said, trust me, I felt like it was a little over the line. You know, put this guy into, you know, hey, trust me, you know, I'm saving your life. And then he literally kills him. Um, But once they get down into that goop, and then the girl asks if Ross is there, and he says, yeah, top layer. Top layer, (laughs) if you want to say a few words. That made me laugh. (laughs) As morbid as that was, that made me laugh. Yeah, but he never said... Go ahead. I just love how he doesn't he doesn't care. It's just like it it's just the facts. I mean, he knows what's gonna happen, he's just gonna go with it. Yeah, say a couple words, he's on the top, we're just gonna move on. What a life he's lived. He's just so matter of fact, and there's something refreshing about that. And it it kind of takes it back to, you know, real traditional British humor in my mind, which is very matter of fact. Like Monty Python is very much like that. It's sort of just in your face, and I actually really, really like that aspect of it. I mean, I know it's not being done in a humorous way, but it kind of is. Oh, that was humorous, definitely. I think I laughed. I just was like, ooh, man, that was mean, but yet funny. Like, I felt bad for laughing at Ross. (laughs) I didn't. It was one of those things that it's just like, he's a red shirt. It's going to happen. Yeah, that's true. Um. So we get another, we get the Dalek actually says the words resistance is futile. And so we have the, um, you know, the doctor earlier in the episode said they're going into darkness. Now we have resistance is futile. Are they purposely referencing Star Trek here? Like why, why are they keep using these Star Trek lines? Um, you guys had I, to Because they're up confused that. that they're referencing the wrong space franchise. Yeah, I would have rather heard like I have a bad feeling about this. Or right. It's, it's or, a trap or... May they the force have, be with you. They did have a droid in the in the first episode. I mean, there were droids for sure. But 
Yeah, I, I thought that was funny. Like, because when when they had into the dark into darkness in the trailer, even many people were like, "Oh wow, I can't believe they're saying that because it's such a recent Star Trek movie." But then Resistance is futile. I mean, that's like one of the most well known lines from Star Trek with the Borg and all that. So I just I was like, oh, they couldn't have just reworded it a little bit. Like, I don't know. They might as well have just said "live long and prosper." <laughs> it's coming. Just watch. <laughs> but the Dalek it's... voice specifically, um, we had. It seems like it's the same voice that we had in the trailer, right, Adam? Yeah. Okay, it, so it, this isn't Davros. All that speculation that it was Davros, we can wipe that away. Yeah, I mean, the the later on the episode where the Doctor does the whole mind meld thing, like you mentioned, um, and the Daleks talking about, like, life ends, life begins again, beauty, and all that stuff, that is the lines from the trailer. Um so yeah, I, I would say that it's it's Rusty. Rusty, the the Dalek is the one that's talking. Oh yeah, I forgot he gave him a name, Rusty, <laughs> which I loved. We now have Handles the Cyberman and Rusty the Dalek. But they they end up figuring out that what was causing the problem with the Dalek was that he had some radiation leak. There was a crack in the side of wherever they went, and they had to fix the radiation and you know, save the Dalek's life. But because they did that, they actually fixed the problem with the Dalek, which was making him good. So now he's bad again. Um, before we kind of get into that, though, am I just seeing things, Adam, or did they make that crack the exact same shape as the crack that was in uh, Amy's wall? Yeah, I was waiting for a reference to a TARDIS that exploded at some point in time, which, I mean, I guess it could potentially. Did they ever? No, they rebooted the universe. So never mind. It's not the same thing. Um, but yeah, it, it looked a lot like the, the crack in the wall. Um, okay, so I wasn't just seeing things. They no. probably did that on purpose. Uh, possibly. I wouldn't put it past it. It seems like, I, and maybe because it's Moffat and it's just Moffat's style, it seems the past two episodes episodes feel very self-aware of Doctor Who, where it's come from. Um, just the random mentions. And then even with the Star Trek stuff, it seems very self-aware of pop culture. Um, of Because there in the first episode, there was a couple, there was mentions of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. There were mentions of other um, British movies that have come out. They tend to mention Disney a lot, don't they? I mean, like Tennant did the Lion King thing, and then, I'm just saying. <laughs> they do I like mean, their pop culture references. We got the Harry Potter reference with uh, oh yeah, that was amazing, episode, which was good. Yeah, so they they like their pop culture references, which I really enjoy. I think it's a good a good element to the show, and I'm glad they keep doing it. Um, what'd you guys think about the character that was with them the whole time? The girl that he saves at the beginning, the one that he rejects at the end. Uh, Blue, Journey Blue. Journey Blue. Journey Blue. Very hippie name. She was all right. I don't know. What'd you you liked her really? I mean, no, I said she was all right. Eh. Yeah, so you didn't like her. Um, I, mean, I didn't hate her, but I didn't like her. I mean, she was, eh. What about you, Adam? I, I think companion? she was, no. I think she was there for a purpose. I think she's, again, just a character setting us up for um, Danny Pink. Even with the name Journey Blue, Danny Pink soldier the fact that she made the comment about the tardis at the beginning which automatically automatically has you thinking this is a new companion even even my wife mentioned when she said oh it's it's smaller on the outside she's like oh she's going to be a new companion and then at the end when she approaches the doctor um 
I think it's just setting. I, I think she was just a character to set us up for what's going to happen with Danny Pink. Yeah, I didn't like the character at all. She bothered me the whole time. She was complaining the whole time. And I thought the actress was pretty bad as well. The weakest point of the episode, other than the trippy stuff, uh, was that character for me. I liked, I liked every other character they had in the show, including the bearded uncle guy and the other two characters that were with them that ended up dying. But Gretchen. Yeah, and Gretchen and Ross. But yeah, I didn't like Blue. She was she really irked me. <laughs> I was glad when when she was like, "Can I come with you?" I was like, "No, yeah. I don't want I don't want another Susan Foreman on the on the TARDIS right now. Like, stick with the cool companions." There's there's it's taken me a while to like look through every everything and kind of wrap my mind around it. But for a while there, I thought it was going to be some weird like that's actually Danny Pink, and we're going to find that out later on in the in the series that that's why he makes the whole reference at the end. I thought you had a rule against soldiers and stuff like that. It was just there were way too many weird aspects of it. Um, but yeah, she wasn't my favorite character. And so then one one of the best lines of the episode, obviously we have uh, the character Gretchen that you just referred to, who asks Clara, she's about to give her life, you know, for the doctor, for, for them, um, but she asks Clara if he's mad or is he right, and then Clara says, most days he's both, which I think is a perfect description of the doctor, and I, I really like that line, that was good. That's I I just love that entire exchange, that whole... That whole scene where she asks the question and then Gretchen basically just says, do something good and name it after me. And then the doctor says, I will do something amazing, I promise. Um, yeah, it's such a it's such a cool scene. Um, and it's really cool just to see how everything, it, how everything played out there. That entire exchange. It's one of those classic Doctor Who moments where you just really dig the dialogue and the, the turn that it just took. Yeah, and she didn't die. Well, we don't know. She she seemed to die, but then she went to heaven, which would be a weird thing if heaven actually did exist in the Doctor Who universe or how they're going to explain that. So we get Missy, who we had in the last episode when the droid died at the end, and he ended up in heaven. So this seems to be something that's going to be an ongoing thread, um, a la crack in the wall, a la silence has fallen. You know, we're going to have these... this ongoing thread throughout the season of heaven and missy it seems like yeah it's it's gonna be fun to put together the pieces as we go through out the other episodes we first episode we have the droid who did the doctor push him out did the droid jump himself either way the doctor basically convinced him one way or the other to die and now we have gretchen who yeah she kind of made the offer herself but the doctor basically convinced her to die. And so it's just, it's interesting to see if other characters that come along in other episodes, if Missy's collecting characters that the doctor has killed off. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how that one unfolds. So one of the most convenient plot devices in the entire episode was the fact that the Dalek had a place that, Clara could go and hit buttons and make memories come back. It was almost like a cool iPad app. Uh, it's not a cool iPad app. Do y'all remember the game from Nickelodeon, like the game show that was the Nick Arcade, and like you could go through the through the video game and like do stuff? No, nobody. 
Yeah, okay. some random vague, vague memory, but yeah, I yeah, yeah. Could, it was like you were inside the video game. It's like that. Yeah, or like Legends of the Hidden Temple, where you go <laughs> through and you hit the stuff at yes. the end. Except so, she got electrocuted every time she touched something. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, she was playing Double Dare or whatever, but she was bringing back these memories for uh, the Dalek so they could see if they could get the good memory back. You know, whatever ended up making him good originally, um, they're thinking it might not have been the radiation, but actually the memory of this um, galaxy being reborn, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, she saw Starborn and essentially the whole like Daleks destroy everything and he ended up seeing life reborn and realizing that resistance is futile. It, it, you you can't oppose life just continuing on and he realized the beauty of what it was um, and they were trying to jog that memory again but there was also the funny like exchange of whether you're inside of a broken Dalek, <laughs> do you want me to call somebody? Like the lights might just be out. And then when, I mean, Journey Blue had a really good line right there when Claire's inside and she's like, break it to me slowly if you just find a pack of spare bulbs. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was funny uh, because it's like, yeah, you are inside of a broken Dalek and maybe some lights did burn out, but I guess who's going to repair the broken light bulbs? Antibodies. The antibodies will repair the broken light bulbs. <laughs> So did you guys like the ending? Did you like the uh, the doctor mind meld uh, with the Dalek and kind of a twist, a little bit of a twist? We thought maybe the, you know, the Dalek says, you know, I see beauty and I see uh, divinity, I think he said, something yes. like that. Um, but then it kind of makes a quick turn because he's looking into the doctor's mind and he says, I see hatred. And kind of doc the doctor's plan kind of backfired on him because he wasn't even aware of his own hatred that was living inside him that he basically shared with this Dalek. Um, I thought it was a cool twist. I wasn't expecting it. How did you guys feel about it? Um, it's kind of interesting because it was a twist, but not really because, you know, you started to think it was going to go bad, but then the Dalek was like, you know, you hate us so much. Like we must die. Like, you know, we must be really horrible. So, you know, yes, he did see all this hatred and everything, but at the same time, it almost made him realize just how not good the Daleks have been. So, I don't know if it was really like a twist. I like, think, I guess, in my mind, the twist was that we were led to believe that by the Doctor sharing his mind with the Dalek, the Dalek would turn good. Essentially, he turns worse, but is the now the enemy of the Dalek. So in a way, he's an ally of the Doctor, but he's still bad. So I thought it was a, a kind of an interesting take on it. Maybe twist wasn't the right word, but um, it was surprising to me. Well, I think what they thought was that, you know, by showing him beauty and showing him, like, the birth of the star and all this stuff, that that was what was going to make him, you know, join in alliance with the Doctor. But what in reality made him join was the fact that the Doctor has so much hatred for the Daleks because what the Daleks have done. So he had to show him that because otherwise I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, because it's the only thing Daleks can really relate with. Yeah, and it plays into the the end of it where the Dalek looks at him and says, you are a good Dalek. And I think, like, the question at the beginning, Clara, am I a good man? Um, and then the Dalek thinking, 
or the doctor thinking he can change the Dalek, realizing that the Dalek can't change, and then thinking, oh no, we learned something, we can actually change him, I'll just show him um, beauty and how incredible life is. And then the doctor realizing that even inside of himself is such a great hatred. And it's because of a hatred greater than the hatred that the Dalek already had <laughs> that the Dalek decided to join with him. Um, it's, it's like this, it, it's that moment where the doctor is just ultimately let down because he is what he's always hated. And that's a Dalek. He is ultimate hatred. He wants to annihilate that prejudice that Clara mentions early in the episode. He has a prejudice against the Daleks and he wants to see him wiped out. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting scene. And we kind of like, we've been prepped for it, that there's this tension of the doctor always realizing that what he hates most, he's actually becoming. Um, and we kind of saw it come to fruition just a little bit in this episode. But honestly, like the line when Rusty says, you know, no, you are a good Dalek, that actually resonated with me more as more of a powerful line than Clara saying most days he's both. Like, I thought that line was... That yeah. stuck out more to me than it kind of punches the you other. in the gut a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eccleston has a has a scene where um, it's where they he finds the Dalek for the first time and like the Daleks rampaging through the museum. And no, all that yeah, stuff. I remember that. And it's raining, which is really funny. Like if you go back and watch that scene, um, the Doctor's like, "Get out of there! You're going to get rusty." Which now he's calling the Dalek rusty. But in that scene, in that episode the Dalek says you would make a good Dalek because the doctor yells at him, just go kill yourself um, or just go die. One of those, one of those two. And it crushes Eccleston at that point because he doesn't want to be a Dalek. He just destroyed his own planet. Um, <laughs> and he's realizing that that's what he's becoming. And this is just like that ultimate, it, it's the ultimate evil. I mean, the doctor is, if we were to just pause the episode right there, we would have to say the doctor is not a good man. He's he's a Dalek. He's the epitome of evil. It's always on the opposite side of the doctor would be the Daleks. All right, so let's kind of give our final thoughts. Did you guys like this one? We'll start with you, Teresa, since you're our guest. How did you feel about this episode overall? I liked it, but I liked the first one better. It was funnier and kind of more scatterbrained, which I loved about the first episode. But I'm curious to see what they keep doing since I'm still a noob. You still like uh, Peter Capaldi as the doctor? Yeah, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. Like, I like him, and I like Eccleston. I mean, I do like Tennant, and I haven't seen Smith, but I don't know where I stand on, like, who would be my favorite or anything, but um, I like just how, you know, brash he is and, like, just in your face. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Yeah, um, I I liked this episode. I, I could have done without some of the, the gimmicky things. I really liked the characters, though. Um, I really liked the story that they took the characters through, um, not necessarily like the overall. Going inside the Dalek was a little weird. It was cool, a little strange. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love what Capaldi's doing with the Doctor. I read a couple things where it's like, do we know who the doctor is yet? Or are we going to have to wait until the other episode? Some people saying he's still trying to figure out who he is. I feel like he has a pretty good feeling for who he is. And it, he, he knows who he is. He just doesn't want to admit it yet. 
Um, and I really like, I really like um, kind of the darker side of things, the rude, the matter of fact doctor that we're getting so far. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I love, I love the way he's portraying the doctor quickly becoming one of my favorites. I know we're only two episodes in, but I really feel like Capaldi's version of the doctor might quickly surpass Smith and Eccleston at least. And then, you know, who knows with Tennant, that'll take a while. But um, I like Danny Pink, thought he was a cool addition to the episode, different type of characterization than I thought he was going to be, but I still think he's going to be a good character. Um, the Journey Blue didn't really like her that much. Um, overall, though, the episode is really cool. Like you said, some of the gimmicky stuff, going inside of a Dalek, uh, the psychedelic weird parts were eh, whatever, but the, overall, really cool story, um, and I just like the progression of the season. I actually think I like this one a little bit better than the first episode, because Strax and Jenny and, and uh, what's her name weren't in it. <laughs> yeah, I've already <laughs> forgot her name. What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, well, Teresa, thank you so much for stopping by. It's been yes. a great time talking to you. You added a lot to the, the discussion. So you are always welcome back to uh, Bad Wolf Radio. Yeah, cool. <laughs> but uh, do you want to plug anything or tell us about anything you got going on right now? I love Dr. Hooves. <laughs> um, <laughs> There you go. I did it. Um, what do I have going on right now? Lots of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's a bunch of Star Wars stuff. It's a Doctor Who podcast. It feels weird. I don't know. All right. Well, Teresa <laughs> writes for Jedi News UK. She also writes for the Star Wars Report, and she has a podcast called Disney Vault Talk, which is really awesome, uh, that she does with Steve Glosson, uh, that they talk about all the Disney movies kind of in order from the beginning, right? Right. Yeah, we're going in order. Um, right now, we're kind of in that weird time frame in the 40s um, before we get to Cinderella where World War II was going on. So it's a lot of package films. Um, so it's kind of interesting. If you haven't seen any of these, then it'll be it'll be a good ride. I think we're doing um, Make Mine Music is next. And she also does a podcast called Fangirls Going Rogue, which is a Star Wars-based podcast. Um that is on the Rebel Force Radio Network. And she does a little tiny podcast called Star Wars Bookworms, all about Star Wars books and comics uh, that she does with me. Yep. And you can find me on pretty much anywhere but Twitter and Instagram, um, at Ice Cold Penguin. And my Instagram's pretty fun. I do a lot of fun pictures and stuff over there. I'm getting better at my Instagram edits. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming by. And uh, yeah. hopefully we can have you back soon. Definitely. Thanks. And as always, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, if you like our show, check or head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. That would be awesome. You can also follow us on Twitter. We actually, last episode, asked for three of you, just three of you, to go onto Twitter and follow us so we could hit our milestone of 100. Um, and as as uh, Ice Cold Penguin is laughing at that number right now. But <laughs> we wanted to get to 100. It was a big goal of ours. And we luckily, we actually did surpass it. Not only did we surpass it, we kind of went uh, well past it. And we got some really cool comments from some listeners that I didn't even know were listeners uh, saying that they really enjoyed the show. So shout-outs to uh, Matt Rushing, Andrew Loopy. I know there were some others of you that did as well, but we really appreciate you guys going on there, sharing the podcast on Twitter. Um, we really appreciate that a lot. We uh, 106. 106. Yay! We asked for three, and we got nine. So uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Just search Bad Wolf Radio. We're the one with the black and white logo. And as always, you can send us feedback, badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. Adam? Later days! <laughs> oh, man.
Pony up. Pony up. Oh, I'm leaving that in. That was so cute. <laughs> <laughs>